You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to TFM's local watering hole, and I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, coming at you from 2021, although it doesn't feel too much different than 2020, Uh, and with me, as she is, well, throughout 2021, Christy Morris. Hello. Uh, You know, I don't really recognize where we are right now. There's like a stairway going up a little bit, and it's dark. Are you wearing pants? I, whoa. Um, uh, no, but I mean, this is, is this the stairway to heaven that Led Zeppelin was talking about? I guess so. There's just a big sparkly light and we're all little blue globs here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, well, fun that, uh, you know, we ended the year with some new things, uh, to be able to talk about. And so really excited that we're going to be diving into Pixar's second film of 2020 uh, that was released there uh, during the holiday season over Christmas. In fact, Christmas Day on Disney+. Plus, We're going to be talking about Soul, which, uh, you know, I'm really excited to talk about. I I was very much looking forward to this. You know, I love uh, Inside Out. Chrissy, we talked about that. So it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, diving into uh, such a rich movie here. But uh, before we do, we just want to welcome everybody to the new year. Happy New Year. If you're listening here, um, you know, just uh, right around the start of 2021, we got a new decade starting. So hopefully things will kick off well. Thank you for joining us. Of course, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music. I mean, all the major places you can find podcasts, you can find us. So make sure you're subscribed uh, so you get the show as soon as it drops. And, of course, uh, please, if you're on Apple Podcasts, do give us a start rating review. It does really help the show grow. And so, uh, and if you do, we will read your review here on the show. Um, also... We want to make sure that uh, you're following us everywhere. You can find us, of course, on Twitter at 602 Club. We're on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. So please do follow us in those places. Uh, You can also uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. We've got the listeners-only discussion group there called the Babel Conference, which you can join and talk to listeners from all over the world. Uh, and then, of course, uh, track.fm is the place that you can find us online uh, and all the shows that we're doing here in the network. And then want to make a huge, uh, I just want to say a huge thank you again to our associate producers here through Patreon, Ken Tripp, Javis Grayson, Ryan the Millet, and Daniel Noah for their support of the network each and every week. Uh, we really appreciate them making sure that all of the shows that we do keep coming to you uh, throughout the months uh, and years here on Trek FM. We've been doing this for a really long time. Uh, Ten years Trek FM has been going on. Um, We definitely need your support to make sure that that keeps happening. So go to patreon.com slash Trek FM. You can see how you can be part of our team. Uh, Every little bit helps. Honestly, we've got some great contribution levels as well. 
But again, go over to patreon.com slash trekfm. Make sure that 2021, that Trek FM shows keep coming to you. So, Christy, uh, you know, before we even like get into uh, the movie itself, I was just kind of wondering, obviously, you know, so many things got canceled in 2020. Uh, and no, we're not talking about cancel culture. We're just mentioning the fact that all the movies got pushed into different places. And so mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, you know, in the landscape of 2020 films, you know, before everything got locked down, was this a movie that you were interested in or excited about seeing? It actually, it really was. I remember seeing the initial marketing and I loved the design of it. I loved that they had the first ever Pixar uh, African-American protagonist which was really cool. And I, I kind of even loved the play on words that they have. It's about the person's soul, but also could reference African-American culture and, you know, soul food and things like that as well. So I love that that was such a big part of this and like paying tribute really to all of the African-American creation with jazz, um, getting jazz musicians to weigh in on this and having so many people involved on the creative side as well with just writing the story. Um, I think it gave so much genuineness to this movie that I could tell right away. I was really looking forward to. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more on, on everything that you were mentioning there. You know, obviously this is, uh, an incredible film, I I think for uh, the black community, uh, honestly, just with having, um, you know, uh, everyone behind the scenes, uh, with director, writer, those kind of things. Um, and, you know, just like you said, starring a black character, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's really cool. And uh, combining two of my absolute favorite things, which are Pixar and jazz, um, you know, I love both. I grew up loving jazz because of my uh, grandfather. And uh, so, you know, very excited about this. And not only that, but, you know, we had talked about Inside Out as we were kind of getting ready for this movie to come out. And, mm-hmm. you know, Inside Out was such an incredible film. So seeing the way that they had taken on one's internal life emotionally, I was so excited to see how they were going to tackle this idea of the afterlife. You know, how do you do that? And so, you know, for me, this was one of the movies in 2020 that I was absolutely looking forward to um, and was very excited about getting the opportunity to check out and you know obviously sadly didn't get to see it in the theater but thankfully um, you know Disney plus put this on uh, their service and it wasn't something you had to pay extra for like they'd done with Mulan and you know I think that that's great as well you know what a gift for all of us at Christmas time, you know, to have this to watch. And so, you know, it was really fun uh, over Christmas getting to watch uh, Wonder Woman 84, as we talked about last week, with friends. And then we got to watch this with friends. And so it was fantastic. And, you know, we mentioned the idea that, like Inside Out, dealing with what's happening emotionally inside. This movie is about the beyond, you know, Mm -hmm. what happens after death? Because, you know, we have our main character, Joe, who's having some really good fortune. And at the moment he thinks his life is about to turn. He finds himself at the bottom of a manhole 
<laughs> cover <laughs> at, the, at the bottom of a well, basically, uh, New York City, and finds himself in the great beyond. And I wanted to ask you about this because it was really interesting because we don't actually ever make it beyond the great beyond. We we never get there. Um, and to me, that was a really smart thing that they chose to not go beyond that barrier and just basically leave it like the great barrier that you can't get beyond. You're never going to get to Shockery. Yes, I'm making Star Trek five references <laughs> from John Mills. Um, but um, I, I thought that that was probably one of the most brilliant moves they made because that gets into places where it can be really difficult for people of any faith uh, to, to really plug into this movie. And instead, I think they made the wise choice and went a completely different way. We're absolutely on the same page with that because there's so many different faiths in this world that if you go too far that you could end up offending some people or making others happy about the direction. And I think that the best choice for this movie was to focus on the point, which was what makes you alive and not to focus on what's past the great beyond um, so that really they're representing what most people can agree upon that there's, you know, probably this purgatory where the decision is made whether you go to the great beyond or not or whatever, and they leave it open to interpretation. So, yeah, we're on the same page. I think that that was the smartest way to go with it and to relate to the most people. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, did you <laughs> did you think that the Great Beyond basically looked like an eternal bug zapper? Yes, <laughs> because you okay. even hear I'm it. I'm glad I'm not the only one because I was just like, oh, they're just basically souls flying into a bug zapper. <laughs> well, because they make that sound. <laughs> yes, that right? That sound effect when they get launched up there is <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I... I thought that was hysterical. So, uh, I mean, it's a good way, I guess, to signify that they're perishing. <laughs> they got zapped. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to me, it was just a great joke, you know, uh, yeah. in that sense. Like, it's it's very subtle and it's very funny. But the idea that all the souls are. And again, I just, you know, I think the fact that we never go beyond because they, you know, in the movie, uh, Joe does ask one of the Jerry's. If um, he uh, is in H-E double hockey sticks, you know, oh, hell. Yeah. and I love how the little soul's going, hell, 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 oh, right. hell, Because kids repeat um, everything you say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, but, so they allude to the fact that, you know, that that's a place that you could be. Um, and, and so again, you know, not, not tracking into territory to which can make people really uncomfortable I think it was really smart. And instead of going beyond what well, we go beyond birth in the sense of um, before birth, we, we go to the great before uh, the U seminar, as they call it now, because it's been rebranded. <laughs> and, you know, this idea of there being like these pre-existing souls to have that are there to have their what they call it is like a theoretical. It's a theoretical construct, so you'll never remember your soul being there, but it's the place where personalities are born and you're given um, your spark of life through mentorship um, where you'll then merge with your body um, and uh, be born 
you know, I just, wow, it's, this was, I, I can't, I can't say how bold I think this was, you know, this idea of talking about that every human being before they're born is preexistent as a soul, that every human being has a soul. Um, and that's saying something. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's a really bold message. And I mean, it's great that they actually decided to address the fact of a difficult question that really, you know, they're giving their interpretation of what the answer is to that. Um, But it's a great way to explain to kids even that there's a difference between your physical body and what makes you who you are when you're alive. And that there is something clearly that happens to that part, your soul, when you pass away at the end of your life or, you know, whenever you perish. And so how do we explain how that gets there and becomes so unique that makes, you know, you Matt and then makes someone else Aaron Goins. Just for example. Yeah, I mean, or, or you know, I'm I'm Matt Rushing, but it's different than Matt Blackwell or, you know, like like uh, who's a, a friend of mine and when a youth pastor or when I when um was uh in college at church and so like you know, we have the same name, but we're completely different people. And so, yeah, this whole idea of, of we have these personalities. And again, I just think such a beautiful statement that, you know, even before we're born, we're these these really important, we, like, we pre-exist. Like, you, this idea that, like, there's something special. There's a, there's a something intrinsic about, you know, human beings. Um, well, I did want to ask this a little bit, and this is just a quick side question, but... Um, I noticed that in the movie, uh, 22 soul falls into a, or his soul, Joe's soul falls into a cat. Does that mean that animals are soulless? Ooh. Is that what they're saying in the movie? I mean, I think they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know there are people, but I, I've always, you know, I've never believed that animals themselves have souls. So, um, but I thought that was kind of an interesting side product of that, you know? So, yeah. And and I meant like what, what I was saying is that I believe that the writers are trying to say that animals have no soul. Um, and that, you know, that's the reason you didn't see tons of dogs, cats, birds, whatever, also on the stairway to the great beyond. <laughs> yes, that this is very true. But, so. you know, they I like that they also leave it open to whatever you think. Interpretation. Yeah. Right. Because then later yeah. you do see that the cat goes into the purgatory area, the zone or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to bring him yeah. back. Yeah, so that's really interesting. I'll be kind of interested to see what other listeners think as well on that that question. So I know, and mm-hmm. I obviously I know there are pet lovers out there that have, you know, huge opinions on on whether or not you know that that's the case. So um, yeah, I, I'm not a pet to... owner or a pet lover personally, so I, I have no you know as they say, dog in the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, my personal opinion is you know that it should be open to every individual person's interpretation. I feel like they have personalities, but do they necessarily have a soul? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's a good question. So, um, you know, one of the things that I really love this idea uh, in the movie was, you know, in the great beyond, we see that souls are given mentors to help them find that spark of life to, to you know, 
And they go to these uh, different uh, pavilions that which give them certain parts of their personality. You know, <laughs> I love how she's like, oh, you 12 will be uh, self-absorbed. And the mm-hmm. other guy's like, the other Jerry's like, I really think we should stop sending so many of them through that portal, <laughs> which right. was hysterical, um, alluding to the fact that we kind of live in a world. I mean, this movie is full of little, uh, I think, digs in some ways at our society uh, oh, and yeah. where we are right now, which is very funny. Um, so you, you you become, you know, uh, these people through this personality, but there is what they call this idea of the spark of life, um, which is something almost basically ineffable. You know, it's it's undescribable, but it's this thing to which is going to make you want to live. This thing that that makes you alive, like being in love with life and willing to leave this place and, uh, you know, find your new life on Earth, finally. And I was just really struck by this because I love this idea that mentorship, that like even before life begins, it's important to connect with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, And... That, you know, one of the ways we grow as people uh, is to be mentored by those that are older. And and that happens, you know, here in the movie, even before you're born, for your pre-existent soul, it needs to be brought to life, to be the spice of life needs to be brought to you by somebody who's been alive. And that gives you that spark that just, and I thought that's so beautiful because, it's so important for us to be mentored, to be um, taught by others that are older than us, to grow um, and uh, to be to be able to change. And I just, I was really struck by that in this movie, and I found it absolutely beautiful. You know, this idea that mentorship, even before life begins, is important. Yeah, I I thought it was especially great that it was so clear exactly what you're saying that you know it was people that had lived before that then came back to be mentors so it wasn't just other pre-living souls you know that were just new to the great before it was people that came back and they had that experience that thing that you can't explain just makes someone naturally wiser and better able to warn you uh, against certain things or encourage you towards other things. So yeah, I thought that it was beautiful that they had that as such an essential part of giving every soul their spark. Well, and, and I thought it was really beautiful too, because it, we, you know, take college, right? You, everybody has to take like an art appreciation class. Mm -hmm. And what I kind of loved about this is we kind of even see, you know, Joe through this, the, the inspiration of, of 22, which is controlling his body at that point, is able to encourage Connie, one of his students uh, at the middle school, that's part of the high school band, the uh, middle school band, um, to encourage her in her love of music. But she's encouraged because she had seen her teacher just that day go basically to the zone 
where he is just so enthralled with the music, he's lost in it. Mm -hmm. And she is inspired to be able to continue that. You know, she thinks that she might want to give that up. And yet it's in that, that appreciation that she learns from her teacher that gives her the ability to continue a passion which she's found that she has. Mm-hmm. I think that's really special because, you know, one of the things that I, I've noticed, honestly, in life is that as I get older, we have to learn how to appreciate things. That's not just something that we do, you mm-hmm. know, like it is a it is a thing to which we have to learn how to be able to do. Um, and part of that comes from learning from the passions and experience of others especially those that are older than us, that help us learn to be able to appreciate what we can't understand why we would appreciate until somebody explains it to us. Mm -hmm. Um, And it brings it, again, it goes with this whole thing. It brings it a life in a way that makes us so excited about something because we're in some ways seeing something through somebody else's eyes. And, you know, isn't that the beauty of what happens with 22 is that, you know, this this soul that uh, Joe ends up mentoring, he, by her being in his body, uh, she's able to kind of experience life through him. Basically to walk a mile in his shoes, literally. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's, it's such a beautiful thing. Like we get to see how, you know, this relationship play out in this in- insane way. But here, I just, I don't know, I just was really blown away with that. And, and you know, working with um, students as I do uh, in the youth group at church and stuff, um, how in, important this is. Like, um, and I just really think I just was, it's just so beautiful. And if I could add to that, too, I think another lovely thing that they add to the relationship specifically between Joe and 22 is that not only is she getting that opportunity and he's showing her all of these things through, you know, her using his body. Um, But also he is the first time he's, he's the first mentor that ever took the time to really devote to her. You know, you see a pattern of all the other mentors she's had, which it was funny. We're all like, you know, famous living legends, like, the Dalai Lama or uh, Mother Teresa or whatever. And then it was like, what was that odd one that they threw in there? I mean, they've got like Copernicus and uh, um, um, Lincoln Young. And I mean, it's like they, they yeah. there are so many. She's had some of the most famous people alive be her mentors. Yeah. So. <laughs> but the common thread was that all of them got angry and gave up and that Joe doesn't do that. You know, he continues to be patient and to work with her and ultimately find his meaning as well. No, I I think it's it's just something that was really beautiful uh, to me. And I I was really struck by that. And, I, I, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll say this, I'm sure, again throughout the podcast, but it, it was, I think it was the perfect movie for the end of 2020, because I think we all really needed this reminder, honestly. I, oh, yeah. I think 
we we needed to be reminded about life and and what makes it beautiful, you know. And um, you know, one of the things I thought was really interesting. Obviously, we have this place called the Zone in the movie, which is in uh, the Great Before, uh, and it's the place where souls go, basically where it's that place between the physical and the spiritual. So if you are an athlete and you're just really, you're in the zone and uh, like you can just feel it happening, you know, that's where you kind of go to. If you're a music, you're a musician and you're playing and it just, you feel completely caught up, that's where you're going. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought this was a great explanation of, of like, that thing that happens to somebody when they're able to find their their it and then they're able to actually bring that to life you know like um so the the again the musician or the the athlete or you know uh anybody who just has a a real gift for something and then they can just make it happen you know mm-hmm. like they can just go there um i thought that was really cool i again it's one of those things where Pixar is able to bring to life these very ethereal uh, concepts in a way that just you're like, yes, this makes so much sense. And again, is relatable to any person of any age. It's not something that's very individual. It's something that's a really common human experience. And, you know, that we've mm-hmm. described before um, in other places, you know, people might say it's like an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. Or if you've ever felt that way, you immediately see this scene where they're showing all these different people being in the zone when they're playing or whatever. If you've felt that before, you immediately went, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, it, I'll open up and say, like, for me, it's not my passion or my purpose in life. But the thing that gets me caught up in the zone like that is singing. And I don't know why, mm-hmm. but every time when I was young, I used to go to church uh, for Easter, I would get up and sing the Hallelujah Chorus with the rest of the choir. And the, there was just a moment where I would hit a high note that it almost brought me to tears because I was so mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and I thought that, you know, what was fascinating about this whole thing is, one, you know, we have uh, these mystics without borders who yeah. uh, kind of travel the zone as they go into it, and they help people who become lost. Uh, and and some of the people who become lost there are, are lost in the zone because of their own anxieties and obsessions, which leave them disconnected with life. And so I really thought this was beautiful because, you know, having been somebody who has, you know, struggled with depression in life before um, and feeling like you were just in this place that you cannot get out of, I think this was a beautiful way to bring that to life. And and I would say this, you know, this is a movie to which does that so well where it helps us um find ways i think to to talk to kids specifically about these really difficult issues because this is not a movie in any way shape or form that negates the difficulties of life mm-hmm. um in fact actually i think what it does is it kind of celebrates the difficulties of life um in the sense that life is hard life is not easy life is frustrating life is painful uh, and it never it never lets us feel otherwise or think that it's necessarily wrong for it to be that way. It just is, you know. And mm-hmm. so um, 
I loved watching this part where you're just seeing these people who have become so obsessed with something or some just so lost in, in anxiety or fear that they can't get out of it. And, you know, again, having been a person who's kind of been there myself before, it, where you're completely inward and you can't focus on anything else, I think it was it was a perfect way to, to see this play out. Yeah, I think they really ir- illustrate that well when they show the guy who is working in the stock exchange. And it's like you said, like an obsession and depression. And uh, he can't get out of this cycle until suddenly someone breaks him out and he is able to see his life from another perspective and decides life is too short. I'm going to do something different. And, you know, you need someone sometimes to come in and rescue you from that never ending cycle. Um, Yeah, I, I think that they... 100% 100% showed it in a, a way that's understandable and also how you can possibly get out of it. Um, and I, I did also really enjoy the Mystics Without Borders. I think that it really represents to, um, I don't know, like if you've ever had friends that were really into meditation and yoga and things like that, that there are people that really feel like it, you know, can take you into that kind of out of body experience. Also, like being in the zone would be with your passion in life. Um, and so I think that um, what is his name? Moon something? Moonwind. Something like that. I, I, yeah, I cannot honestly remember just right off the top of my head. And I, I apologize to everyone. No, it but... was Moonwind. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Okay. I think you're right. And that they even play some Bob Dylan music, making me kind of think mm-hmm. they're insinuating that it's Bob Dylan. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was great. And it was also a positive way to um, get out of that situation. Well, and I think what was really kind of beautiful in this was that it can also be good things that get us locked into the zone in a bad way. Anything can become an obsession that can leave us disconnected with life. And so to me, this was a super important, like a very spiritual idea, which is if anything, even if it's good, if it becomes basically a God thing, like it's taking the place of, of, of like your everything, you know, it's the only thing you think about. And basically you worship whatever this is. You can also get lost mm-hmm. in the zone, you know, and, and that thing can become something that traps you. Um, and that was brilliant because we have seen plenty of people who get lost in good things, whether it's um, relationships with others or whether it becomes their work or it becomes their talent. And this is where I thought it was really beautiful because it connects with Joe. Mm-hmm. His obsession with jazz has left his life one note. Yeah. Perfect you know, plan and there. He's put all, <laughs> yeah. He's put all romantic relationships on hold. He's put his whole life on hold for this quote unquote dream that's left the rest of life completely empty for him and unfulfilling. Um, where to the point where he's lost the ability to see that life, the rest of life is worth living mm-hmm. without the dream. Like you, and, and I thought that was absolutely incredible because 
you know, so many Disney movies talk about, you know, following your heart and following your dreams and all of those kind of things. And yet, if you do that to the exclusion of all else, you're lost. And mm-hmm. you, you, life has to be lived holistically. And, and, and this is a really beautiful way of showing that Joe himself is not doing that. Even though he's pursuing something good, a gift that he's been given, that gift is not meant to just be shared and 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 use only for his own benefit like his whole life is meant to be something else which is something that connects him with the rest of life and i just man it was so beautiful to see that play out um and again really surprised just to see a movie i honestly this movie is kind of antithesis to many disney movies which is you know uh your dream is a wish your heart makes, you know? And it's <laughs> right. like, no, this movie is not, this movie is saying that to just follow your dream is absolutely dangerous and it'll leave you com- so disconnected from life that you'll miss life in general. In fact, it really reminds me of, um, there's uh, there's a great Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine episode where uh, Cisco's son Jake is spending so much time writing and, uh, he's losing himself basically in the zone and and his dad's like, it's life, Jake. You'll miss it if you don't open your eyes. Yeah. And that's exactly, you know, that's where that's where Joe is right now. He's missing life. And he needs to realize that what made his life meaningful was not the thing that he was good at. Yes. That it was. It, it, the turning point for me was when you see his mother's reaction when he says that his life meant nothing until this moment. And she gets mm-hmm. teary and says, oh, that's not true. You know, and it it's also seeing it from a different perspective, seeing it through his mother's eyes, that even though she has always harped on him about getting a real job with security and things like that, it's still because she loves him and wants him to be happy, but also to be taken care of. And she, you know, she's basically saying that sort of thing that a lot of parents have told their kids of like, I'm not going to be here forever. And so I want to make sure that when I'm gone, you're going to be okay. Not that his life meant nothing until he got a real job or from his point of view that his life meant nothing until he got this big break Um, and really says, you know, teaches you, I think that life is so short that you can't spend your entire life working toward one particular goal because you could possibly lose yourself or end up losing your life along the way and then feeling like you never did anything worthwhile. Well, and I, th- I mean, isn't that exactly what his friend the barber says, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like his life didn't turn out the way he thought it was going to. And yet at the same time, he wouldn't change his life for anything because he's found something to which really makes him happy. It, it yeah. makes him feel fulfilled in a way that he didn't think possible until life brought him to this, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it reminds me of Jurassic Park, you know, life finds a way. Um, and... I think this is something that is really important in the in the movie is that the spark and, and, and something that, you know, you had mentioned as we were talking about beforehand before we started recording. It's like the spark is not your purpose. The spark is the spark of life, which is that we long to live. 
mm-hmm. that we long to live life. Life is beautiful. Life is meant to be explored. It's meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be lived. It's going to be pain. It's going to be suffering. It's going to be joy. It's going to be happiness. It's going to be tears. It's going to be happy tears. You know, it's like, it's going to, it's going to be a culmination in all of these things. And it's not about just finding what you're good at and doing that, mm-hmm. but it's about enjoying as many moments as possible. It's it's about reveling in the fact that we are actually alive mm-hmm. and the beauty of the world around us, the creation that we have, you know, looking up at the stars and wondering, like it's all these little things that are, are what it means to actually be alive. Um, yeah. And that's, that's something I think that, you know, obviously we, we miss many times because we get obsessed about stuff and we get obsessed about following our dreams. We get obsessed about, you know, uh, things going on in our lives, things not going right. And honestly, the thing that I really kind of came to in this is that, you know, when we're figuring it out, this movie is really about what it means to figure out life and that all of life is about trying to figure out life. Like mm-hmm. what is our purpose? What are we good at? What do we want to do? You know? Um, and that was something that I found again, that was really beautiful about this movie is that it doesn't pull any punches about how difficult life can be, but it also doesn't pull any punches with reminding us that how amazing life can be at the same time. And how precious it is, you know, that, that mm-hmm. they're showing that suddenly you could die. And, you know, then what did you do with the time that you had? And did you appreciate the time that you had? In addition to exactly what you're saying of trying to figure it all out, um, you know, it, it's about um, appreciating it for all that it is and trying to, you know, do something with it, seize the day, I guess, <laughs> rather than putting things off and thinking, well, if I could just get enough money or if I could just get this big break, then my life will be complete. You have to focus on now. Yeah. And I mean, you know, one of the things that I thought was really beautiful and again in the movie is like, yeah, life is scary. Life is hard. Um, and, you know, in the end, just because we have a talent or a dream doesn't mean it's going to be easy pursuing that. Yeah. And I, I think one of the ways in which this movie kind of really got, it spoke to our, you know, the generation that we're in and just our our life here is that, you know, what we see in the movies that 22 is really comfortable. You know, the, the soul that Joe is mentoring, 22, she's been in the the great before for who knows how long and she's comfortable with skipping life and she's kind of become completely apathetic about life because she's afraid of the unknown and the uncertainty that is life mm-hmm. and part of wanting to be alive is embracing the uncertainty of it and the scariness of it and the challenge of it and the uncertainty that I could walk out to get the mail and I could die. You know, like life is risk. Yeah. We have to be okay with taking the risk. You know, um, there's the great quote from Star Trek Voyager where Captain Janeway tells Henry Kim, risk is our business. 
you know, being alive is risk. Mm-hmm. And like, I again, I could not think of a better reminder for 2020 and 2021 and, and the rest of my life that risk is life. Life is risk, you know, and we've got to stop being afraid. Um, and in many ways, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, she she kind of mess life. Like she's just one of those people who meh, whatever, you know, like she's so apathetic about everything that she's missing it. Um, and I, I thought that was a really important part of the movie. And I love the quote too, when they're in the barber's office and the guy's making fun of Joe and he, and, um, 22 says through Joe, the cat, um, criticizing me to cover up for the pain of his own failed dreams. He's like, oh, you cut deep, Joe. But it's so true. Like, we see that so many times. Like, those people are so ultra-critical of everybody else. It's because it makes them feel better about the fact that they're, they're, they've never followed their own dreams. They have it because they've just, it's it's too hard, it's too painful, it's not worth it, you know. And, and life is not about people just giving us stuff and it being easy. Life is about the struggle. That's part of what makes life being worth living. And man, this movie was just preaching. It was so good. Yeah, I think we're going to be in agreement on everything about this movie. Uh, But yeah, I think that it that quote in particular was so touching because you feel that the meaning and the weight of it of, you know, Joe feels like a failure And so he is belittling 22 because he wants to feel like he's still got something, but he had something all along. And that's why I like that, you know, they, they have that turning moment with him and his mother. Um, And even with him and his barber where, you know, it's like, it's again about focusing on appreciating your life and about connecting with other people Mm -hmm. when he says, um, you know, why don't we ever talk about things other than jazz? And the barber says, you never asked. Like you only wanted to talk at me. You didn't want to get to know me. Right. So, and, and it's funny. It even made me think twice about like how I treat my hairdresser, (laughs) you know? So it just, it really gives you so much perspective about Mm -hmm. life and about connecting with people. Well, and I mean, doesn't it just bring to mind the idea that, and, and I think this was one of the beautiful things about the movie, and I, I don't think I have this on the outline really, but this movie goes to show that life is about the connection between all of us, and life is best lived when it's not all about me. Yeah. And in fact, if I'm living life all about me, I'm actually going to miss it. I'm going to miss what life is actually all about. And that's the beauty, I think, of this movie is is one of the things we see that Joe learns is that his dream has left him so self-focused, so laser-focused on only that dream that he's missed everything else in life. He's missed the connection that he has with his students. He's missed the connection that he has with his mother and her friends. Um, he's missed the connection with other people. He's missed the connection with being connected to other people and the fact that he doesn't think he has time for a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, he's missed it. He's missed life is not about you. And when you live life as if it's about you, you are always going to be disappointed because you are 
will never be good enough. You're always going to be worried that you're not good enough. And when you're not focused on yourself and you're focused on other people and that connection in life, man, life is just so much better. And I just, I really appreciate the movie um, going that way. I just thought it was really smart. Um, And it's so, it's not just smart, it's just true. Like, this is just the truth of what makes life worth living. Yeah, I I like that in addition to the huge questions it answers about what makes someone an individual and, you know, what a soul is and everything, that they're also adding this component. And, you know, if you've taken sociology class in college before, they prove with data that humans are social creatures, that when we're completely isolated, that we don't Mm -hmm. turn out so well. So yeah, you, it it life is absolutely about connecting with others, and your enjoyment and appreciation of life is only going to grow because of that connection. Yeah, I, I mean absolutely, and and I mean again, I think you know it, for all of us who's lived through twenty twenty, I think we all really realized how important it was to be connected with other people. And, and mm-hmm. how it was important it was to be near other people and not just on a screen, but to actually be with others. We need even if we're six feet apart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we we need other people in our lives. And so I, I think. Yeah, it's just really beautiful. Um, it, one of the things, too, obviously, this movie is uh, so much about music and, you know, we have. The jazz in in the movie, uh, which I I found to be wonderful because I love jazz, and of course we've also got, um, you know, the uh, very kind of a, a ethereal music of the beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, with the jazz, we had John Baptiste doing that, and actually, you know, he's the one that they filmed uh, for the finger movement, so they could get that all right. So I thought that was beautiful, and then we have Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross who become really big uh, soundtrack uh, artists now um, to do the rest of the music with, again, the kind of ethereal music. And so um, this plays a huge part in that. And how, how did you think that worked, Christy? I thought that was the other best part of the whole movie. I think that especially if you're going to have jazz and being a musician be the main character's passion, that you have to have great jazz music and you have to show his ability with it. Um, and, I, and I like that they cared enough to use the finger movements of an actual musician on a piano to look realistic for the character in the movie. You know, because I mean, I, I don't play piano. I wouldn't have known either way. But <laughs> knowing that they cared that much means a lot to me. Um, and that, you know, they were inspired by famous jazz musicians in real life, um, but also wanted to make the music overall in the movie relatable to people that were not, you know, the most discerning of jazz fans. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I absolutely loved uh, the jazz in the movie. I thought it was beautiful. I thought they really did a great job with it. Um, you know, I'm actually going to be searching out some more of his music now, just because I, of how beautiful it was. Um, and you know, I, I think, uh, Atticus Ross and, and Trent Reznor did a very good job of creating this music for, 
you know, this the the strange ethereal place that they're trying to, you know, make work, you know, and I I think it it really did. It did a good job uh, of connecting. Um, and, um, I, I really, I really liked, um, it, I I thought it was, uh, fantastic. Uh, and, and so, uh, both sides worked for me really well. And so uh, to me, and, and like you said, I think absolutely, uh, you pointed out how important it was, you know, you need the jazz to feel realistic. You need it to feel real. You need it to feel, um, like, uh, you need it to have that soul mm-hmm. to it, you know, and and so I really appreciate that they did that, um, and and it that it went over uh, so well, and and I think it does. I've enjoyed listening to the soundtrack, both parts of it. So, uh, well, uh, Christy, I think it's really interesting. You know, we talked through this movie, and I'm I'm really interested to see where you land then with your ratings for Soul. So I thought hard about it and there really are not a lot of drawbacks for me to this movie and uh, you know I try to reserve my really high ratings for something that really blows me away and this did and it's so rewatchable but also poignant with what we're going through right now as a society and you know the world with COVID and everything and realizing the importance of that human connection like we talked about so for me it it's a four and a half out of five because there may maybe a couple things I think could have been tweaked, but overall just an incredible story that I think was really well constructed for being such a difficult philosophical, like existential thing. Um, they, they explained it very well. And I think even my niece and nephew who are eight and six would be able to understand it and enjoy it. Yeah. I, I, heartily agree with you i'm actually right there in the same place ratings wise um four and a half out of five and Mm -hmm. uh, i just i was like a you i was blown away by it and uh, to take on like you said i think this is the thing to take on a subject like this and to pull it off the way that they do and to make you think so deeply about what it means to be alive and what life is was phenomenal and so and, you know, anybody who's listened to this show for a while knows that that's something that really sticks with me. Um, and then just, I, it was funny, too, you know, uh, Joe being in the cat and 22 being in him and their mm-hmm. interactions as she's trying to get used to life. And then uh, as she gets to experience life, you know, for the first time, I just, I loved it. I thought it was so good. And so I'm so glad that this got released and we got to finally get a chance to talk about it. But Christy, that means that it's that time of the show for recommendations. And so I'm interested to hear what you want to recommend this week. So uh, I actually am going to be a little off the wall this time and recommend something that's not related to TV or film, but uh, rather a hobby that I've gotten back into since we've got some time and, you know, are home all the time. Um, I actually used to cross-stitch a lot. And uh, it's actually the easiest form of sewing um, because you're literally just sewing little X's on pre-punched fabric. But uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting is I used to previously only work with predetermined patterns in like kits and stuff. And then I discovered 
There are all of these designs on Etsy, for example, that you can get for $5 that are Star Wars cross-stitch designs or any fandom you can think of, really. There's D&D ones. There's funny ones like, you know, stuff that's got cuss words in them and (laughs) people that go really off the wall with it. But uh, so I'm stitching one right now that says, bless this wretched hive of scum and villainy. Nice. So I'm really excited about it and I'll have to show everybody when I'm done with it. But yeah, so I I recommend trying cross-stitching if you haven't. Very cool. Very very cool. I mean, everybody's looking for a new hobby these days. So that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, so for me, uh, my wife and I over the holiday season here uh, started watching Downton Abbey. And I'm going to recommend Downton Abbey. And I don't care what you have to say about it. This show is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I have loved every second of it for the most part. Um, there's a few storylines that I wish. Were, yeah. Anyway, but I don't want to ruin anything. Um, I was just struck by this show. And I love how so many of the men are honorable in this show. That's not something that happens a lot in television these days. Um and I really appreciate it. Um, I just appreciate the storytelling. I appreciate that it's a show that, you know, it's it's more fran- friendly, family friendly than most in the sense that there's not a ton of stuff that's just like, you know, there's a few things you wouldn't want your youngest kids to see or to hear talk of. But the rest of it, I mean, it's just... It's wholesome entertainment, you know, mm-hmm. for adults. And that just doesn't happen very often. And, you know, I just, I, you know, look, I, I like Game of Thrones. I love all that kind of stuff, too. But I, there's just something about the show that's really touched me and I've really enjoyed. And maybe I just needed a show like this in this time period uh, that we've been in. So, yeah, I'm going to recommend Downton Abbey. I'm with you 100%. I love Downton Abbey. <laughs> good, good. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page with that one. So, uh, well, Christy, if people do want to catch up with you besides the 602 Club, where can they find you? So when I'm not here with Matt on 602 Club, I also do a show with my friend Amanda DeFonzo called Sabres and Spells. She's the new co-host. So we're excited to have her. And uh, we just released our first episode of the new year. Uh, and we'll have another one coming up uh, soon this month. So stay tuned for that. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Sabres and Spells, and we're on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network, Skynet. So you can find us also at skywalkingthroughneverland.com. And uh, you can find me personally at Bespin Bell on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Christy on Facebook in the Babel Conference. Awesome. Um, well, you can find me all over the place, uh, pretty much any uh, social media platform if I'm there, Matt Rushing 2 So just search for that. You can find me here on the network doing a couple other shows. One is called The Orb with Chris Jones talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And then we're also doing Literary Tracks because we're talking about the books and the comics of Star Trek. And on the Nerd Party Network, you can find me doing Owl Post with Dre Kaufman where we're talking about the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. We are almost done. In fact, counting today, I think we have 13 episodes left of the series. So that's crazy. And then last but not least, you can find me doing aggressive negotiations at Star Wars Podcast with my good friend John Mills. And man, if you love Star Wars, this is definitely the show for you, so please do check it out. But 
You know what? Thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? 